In this town, there is no off-season. The news never stops, and neither do we. It's always game day in Cleveland with Andy Baskin and Daryl Ryder. It's always game day in Cleveland. He's Daryl Ryder. I'm Andy Baskin. A lot of topics around the NFL as the Browns get set to play on Monday night. That's right, Monday night against the Steelers. But by the way, Daryl, isn't it weird that the Browns play in the late game on Monday night, that they'll be the second game of the night? I don't know. I kind of feel like... Not all eyes will be on the Browns, but at least at the end of the game, they will be. But it is kind of weird that it's a doubleheader Monday night. Yeah, it's one of the new uh, scheduling tweaks that the NFL uh, has come up with this year. But the Browns get the A broadcasting team. They get Joe Buck and uh, Troy Aikman uh, and ESPN slash ABC's number one football broadcast team. Typically, let's be honest about it, in those situations, the Browns would probably get the B squad. But... um, it is Brown Steelers. <laughs> and of course, Cleveland is coming off of a, a very impressive performance, whereas Pittsburgh is trying to forget the last week ever happened. Um, sorry to say for them that uh, they can't do that. It actually did happen. Uh, the 49ers mopped the field with you for four quarters, and it was a lot of fun to watch. Not once, not twice. I watched it three times. That's how much I enjoyed watching. Really? I watched it three times. I watched, so I watched the condensed version. Then I watched the uh, the elongated broadcast version, and then I watched the all twenty two, and it was uh, it, it got better with each version of the game that I watched. Uh, that beat down. How was the all twenty two, Daryl? Oh, the all twenty two was fantastic. Although I did miss uh, all, all the uh, the commentary because I had to watch it in silence. But um, yeah, did you they, watch the Manning cast? It seems like you've missed that. You might I, want to go back and. They do not. Unfortunately, they don't make the Manning cast available to us. <laughs> And the Manning cast didn't exactly do this one. But, uh, and there, by the way, there is no Manning cast this week for Monday Night Football. Because there's two games, too. Yeah. Right? It'd be kind of hard, right? Yeah. And, and so here's the thing. So the Browns are on ABC. Brown Steelers is on ABC. And then uh, I forget. Saints Panthers. Saints Panthers. Um, how dare they put the Saints up against the Browns game in primetime while I have to work. But I'm sorry. It's just for I, you they did that. I know I'm going to have to go back and watch all three versions of that on Tuesday. Um, but um, yeah, it, it's, it, it should be a lot of fun Monday night. Uh, Browns uh, looking to go two and O by the way, the last yeah. time the Browns were two and O was 1993. They started that season three and O. And in fact, they ended up with a losing record that year under Bill Belichick. They, they started three and O and finished the year seven and nine. How about that? Um, mm. But I would probably say half the Browns fan base was not born the last time the Browns started a season two and zero. Where were you in 1993? Uh, 1993, I believe I was a sophomore in high school or freshman. <laughs> 1993, I was. Yeah, uh, no, I was became... a freshman. I was a freshman. I, just... I had to do the math. <clears throat> I have just became the sports director at WK. Or sorry. At KPAX in Missoula, Montana. So what you're saying is you're older than me. Uh, yeah, I got you by a couple of years. Well, four for college, and then I was there three, and fewer three, six. So I got you by 10, I don't know, 10 years at least. You got a decade on me, huh? How old are you? Just tell me. 45. Yeah, I got you by just under a decade. Wait, when's your birthday? November. Oh, November what? 17. Oh, 26. So, you're, yes. It's, you're, you're November 26? November 26. And wow. you know who's the 20, 
25th is one Bernie Kozar. November was a good month. A lot of good people were born in the month of November. Well, actually, what it means is is that Valentine's Day was a good day for <laughs> our creators. Yeah. Let's be honest. We we know what our parents were up to on Valentine's Day. Yes. That that is correct. That is correct. All right, let's actually talk about some football. You know, you talked about uh, the commissioner for a second. Let's go back to something that happened during the podcast the other night. Aaron Rodgers got hurt in the Jets game um, against the Bills. Uh, Jets were able to come back, but a lot of talk about the turf, especially uh, in New York, on yeah. a turf that – now, they switched the turf out between the Jets and the Giants. So, But that's a lot of work on the field, and they got to keep turning it. And players don't like playing on the turf. A lot of complaining about turf. Roger Goodell said they want to do what's best for the players. I think they want to do what's best for their pocketbook, but you tell me. Well, first of all, they don't switch the entire surface out. They switch the the 40s out for the logos, and okay. they switch out the end zones for the, the individual team end zones. Um, yeah, here's – look, listen, <clears throat> I, I am of the mind that if you play in an open-air stadium, you should have a natural grass surface, Okay. Um, Charlotte actually went from grass to turf. Baltimore went from turf to grass. Um, I, I just feel if you're in open air, you should play on a grass surface no matter what. It's a little tough, though, for the Jets and the Giants because they play games back-to-back. Um, on I should say on back-to-back days. So that, that makes that situation somewhat complex with two teams sharing a stadium, uh, you know, obviously domes, it's impossible to grow grass inside. Just ask the Houston Astros back in the 1960s when the Astrodome opened. Right. Um, you know, but the but Raiders, looking, I mean, the Raiders, know, I understand why the players are upset because there's fields that are being converted over to grass for the World Cup. Yeah. So, well, and those are outdoor stadiums, though, that that's happening. Right. Although Arizona is an indoor stadium that has natural grass because it's on a gigantic tray and they slide it in. Same thing with the Raiders in Vegas. Both of those stadiums, their fields are on trays to slide in. Now, I have seen... Why they didn't do that in L.A., I don't know. So, well, a a couple of reasons. One, because the stadium is built 90 feet into the ground. Okay. Okay. Uh, The way they constructed SoFi Stadium, it's actually two separate buildings for uh, seismic reasons to, you know, prevent earthquake sure. damage. So the stadium bowl is one building and it's built basically all into the ground. Cause LAX is right next door. Okay. Okay. And then the canopy, the open air canopy that covers the field, that is an independent structure. So basically how it works is if you're watching on YouTube and you see me do it. So here's my fist is the stadium. And my open hand is the roof and how it's designed is. So if there's an earthquake, they can move as independent structures and that prevents massive structural damage to Mm. the building. Um, So uh, SoFi has a, I think it's a a translucent type of a cover on it. I don't know if you can grow grass on that, but you can't, they would have had to dig another whole 90 feet out plus a hundred yards or whatever outside the stadium to be able to put a tray in there. Here's the thing that they could do. Okay. And I see this in the, a lot of these newly redone European soccer stadiums. And that is, they are, um, they're making these, the, these, they're like layered trays. Think of them like cookie trays. Okay. Okay. 
and it's an automated system where they push a button and the field will separate and it'll like stack on top of each other. And then it gets slid down underneath the, the field surface under the stadium. And in this enclosure are these lights, whatever light you can grow grass artificially with. Okay. Under each one of those pans are the lights. There's a sprinkler system to be able to water the grass too. I mean, it's incredible technology that they have over in Europe mm -hmm. uh, for these stadiums so that they can play on grass and avoid having to use artificial surfaces while at the same time maintaining the multi-use functionality of those various stadiums uh, that these soccer clubs play in. So that is technology that, with the building boom that's going on here in the United States with, with football stadiums that I would love to see incorporated over here. So. I Darryl, like you can't tell me not only with a building boom, but a let's be honest, the marijuana groom uh, boom has been gigantic <laughs> across the country. I mean, seriously, I mean, I, I know kids in college that can do, grow grass in their room. You know, you tell me we don't have enough people of that ilk. Get a couple hydroponics kids. I bet we could get grass built indoors by five college kids in about 30 minutes. I just want to make sure I understand you're advocating for the NFL to play on weed. That's what it takes, man. That Bermuda grass <laughs> isn't much better. I'm high on football, man. I can just see half the team self-medicating between downs. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, that tackle, I really ate the turf. Yes, you did. Yes, you did. <laughs> Here, have another edible. <laughs> Edda, who needs edibles when we can oh let me just you know, get the bottom of my shoe hey just hey you know what the, the resounding message from nfl players the nfl players association right there with cheech and chong we want grass we want grass we want grass daryl there's just no possible way they can get it done is there i, I just don't know how they're gonna get well more, more, again the outdoor stadium sure like seattle for instance right why why right. They, they they can they, they could easily put grass down um, and, and look, I think that the NFLPA has a legitimate argument. If you can bring in grass surfaces into these stadiums for the World Cup to play on, then why can't you do it for the National Football League? I, I think it's a fair I argument. Agree. I think I it's valid. Um, you know, the, the Browns, I'll, I'll tell you this, because I even raised the idea in some conversations that I've had with people in the organization about them putting turf in because they want to use Cleveland Brown Stadium more and more. They want to be able to host a concert one night, a game the next, and whatever. You can't really do that with grass. I mean, remember last preseason, right? I think it was the Machine Gun Kelly concert. It was like at the beginning of August, right? Six days, six or seven days later, the Browns hosted a preseason game. That field, when the game was over, was a cow pasture. It was destroyed because the sod did not have enough time to take it takes about two weeks uh, from what the, the what groundskeeper Willie tells me uh, when I consult with him on these type of things. It takes about two weeks for sod really to cure into soil the right way, um, and that just didn't have that kind of time. Now, one of the things they'll do is they'll cut the sod even deeper so there's more soil underneath it and, when they lay it down. But um, I, I do feel like the open-air stadiums is doable. But when you have uh, like the Viking Stadium in Minneapolis, I don't think you can Although do it there's, there. I mean, those are windows. 
yeah, yeah. but mm, I, I think that's I tough to do. I hear you. All right, not, Joe, not all of them. To but... talk about, man. I mean, I, did, I know this first segment's been all out about grass, but uh, we got to move forward. We might get the munchies into the second segment if we keep going this way. Let's get into the Browns. We'll get into the Steelers. We'll talk about the health of these teams and what we can look forward to as we head into Monday night. It's always game day in Cleveland. Hey, Ohio with Mobile Sports Betting now live. We know that it can be a bit overwhelming deciding on which sports book to use. That's why we wanted to tell you about BetQL. BetQL is your one stop for all things sports betting related from betting analytic trends to expert picks. Head on over to BetQL or the app or to BetQL.com to get informed. Get your betting win streak started. Use code OH25 for 25% off your first month. That's BetQL.com slash news slash 923thefan for those exclusive sports book offers. He's Daryl Ryder. I'm Andy Baskin. Daryl, uh, we talked about this going into the first game of the season against Cincinnati, how healthy the Browns are. Well, they lose Jack Conklin in the first game. We don't know what's up with Warren Thorn- uh, Juan Thornhill. We may uh, a little bit later this week. What is the health of this team right now? How are you feeling about that? Well, they're in great shape. Um, you know, as you alluded to, losing Jack Conklin's a big blow. They really like Dewan Jones a lot. Um, fourth round pick out of Ohio State has come a long way since rookie minicamp. But let's be honest about it. The dude needed a bucket between every rep that he took to now where, like, I mean, he was awesome in the preseason. I think he allowed one single pressure in all his preseason snaps, uh, went back and, and kind of zeroed in on him as I, as I was uh, looking uh, at the All-22. And I'll be honest with you, I thought he played pretty well against Cincinnati. Um, so you certainly can understand why the Browns feel pretty good about Dewan Jones taking over there for Jack Conklin. Obviously you miss some of the veteran experience there, but um, I think that they'll be in pretty good shape there. Um, and, and hopefully the offensive line is able to uh, continue to remain healthy. But as far as the rest of the team goes, I mean, yeah, Juan Thornhill, we'll see where he's at this week, but otherwise they came out of the game pretty clean. Jed Wills, we'll keep an eye on him. Wouldn't shock me if he is limited on uh, Thursday, by the way, the schedule this week for the Browns. Um, you're probably listening to this on a Thursday. Thursday is their Wednesday practice. Friday will be the Thursday practice day. And then Saturday is the typical Friday. The team will travel to Pittsburgh on Sunday. And then, of course, uh, play the Steelers uh, Monday night. But uh, Jed Wills will be someone I think keep a little bit of an eye on this week. He had x-rays, kind of hobbled into the x-ray room last week with a couple of trainers. Kevin Stefanski told us on Monday that Jed is fine. There's no issue there. We'll find out if, in fact, that's true. But again, would not be surprised to see him pop on the uh, pop up on the injury report uh, as limited this week. But otherwise, they're in they're in good shape. Let's talk about the Steelers here for a second, Daryl. Uh, the injuries that they are coming into this thing. Uh, talk that you know Cam John uh, Cam Hayward, I should say, is out. Uh, Deontay Johnson looks like he's going to be out with a hamstring. Pat Fryermuth, their big tight end, got hurt last week. Uh, and DeMarvin uh, Leal is also out. He's got a tricep injury. At least he was out heading into this week. Uh, you know, all talk is, is that for sure Cam Hayward and Deontay Johnson will be out. How big is that as far as the Browns are concerned? Oh, I mean, from the Browns' perspective, it, it obviously helps them tremendously because Cam is always a pain in the you-know-what to yes. try and slow up, right? I mean, he – Every time he plays the Browns, he seems to uh, put together his Hall of Fame reel for whatever reason. Um, uh, you know, obviously you're never rooting for anyone to get hurt uh, for for any team, but 
those I would say those injuries certainly favor the Browns uh, without question. Um, and the and the fact that the Steelers are coming off of the type of beating that they had to endure, thirty to seven to San Francisco, uh, who uh, <clears throat> many uh, yours truly have picked to get back to the Super Bowl this year. I think that uh, it's going to be Philadelphia and San Francisco fighting for that NFC title. Um, but yeah, I mean the the contrast between those teams and where they're at, Andy, night and day, right? 49ers are a contender. I my prediction about the Steelers finishing in last place in this division is looking pretty good right now because they look like the worst team in this division. Uh, not not by but, but like a by mile. They looked awful. Now, I expect them to bring it Monday night against the Browns, but I don't know that their best shot is going to be enough to take down the Browns. Gerald, going back to their game against San Francisco, Kenny Pickett, 31 of 46, 232 yards, two interceptions, Najah Harris on the ground, six carries, 31 yards, averaged about 5.2, and then uh, what Allen Robinson led them, five receptions, uh, 64 yards, 12.8 was his average. And Deontay Johnson, who we just said, looks like he'll be out this week. Uh, Three receptions, 48 yards, 16 uh, was his average. Looking at those numbers and knowing what the Browns defense did last week to Cincinnati, I would think, man, I feel pretty good about the Browns this week. Yeah, I mean, the Steelers were only able to score uh, seven points last week against San Francisco. Uh, they absolutely got carved up on the ground by Christian McCaffrey, uh, including a 66-yard touchdown run in which he just basically ran by everybody, um, which doesn't happen against the Steelers all that often. Um, that Those are things could that could happen two weeks in a row. Yeah, a- absolutely it could, especially with Nick Chubb, uh, you know, going for the, the Browns. I-, I will say this, though. Um, T.J. Watt, Looked like a defensive player of the year. <laughs> he, he looked really good. He had three sacks. He had all three of the, the Steelers sacks uh, last week. So he's going to be a force to be reckoned with. Uh, my thoughts and prayers go out to Dewan Jones having to deal with him as well as Jedrick Wills, because I'm sure they're going to ping him back and forth between uh, both of those uh, tackles. But um, you, when you look at like this, just the statistical analysis, right? Um and you look at some of the numbers the Steelers put up last week, it's hard to believe they only scored seven points. Um, they, you know, uh, their numbers uh, weren't all that terrible. They weren't great, but they weren't terrible. They, uh, but they were held to like less than 240 yards of total offense uh, by San Francisco. Um, you know, defensively, uh, they gave up nearly 400 yards in total offense. That is great news for Deshaun Watson and the Browns offense. Uh, the fact that they got gashed in, in that fashion, <clears throat> um, they gave up nearly 200 yards rushing, which is again, not what we're used to seeing from a Pittsburgh Steeler uh, defense. So I, I really feel like a, a pretty significant opportunity is knocking for the Browns to start two and zero. Uh, not only for the first time since 1993, but they can go two and zero within the division for the first time since. I'll, let's see how good you are. When's the last time the Browns were two and zero within the AFC North? And I'm gonna give you a hint. In the AFC North. Yep, that they started two and zero within the division. I'll uh, give you a hint. You don't have to go back 
uh, more than a decade. I'm stumped. I'm just trying to think. I'm trying. It, uh, it's got to be uh, Brian Hoyer, right? No, 2019. Oh, it wasn't that long ago. And yeah. the two and the two teams they beat, the Steelers and the Ravens. Again, you're talking about just the North itself, right? Because they only correct. have three opening games. That, that so. is cor- that is correct. Within <clears throat> two yeah, and zero within a division. Yeah. Yeah, I'm trying to think of. Uh, hmm. I started thinking about the AFC Central there for a second. I was going so far back. I was like, no, that, that, yeah, you got to keep going back forward on that. Um, Deshaun Watson, Daryl. You know, we we talked about him on the radio today. You and I did. Um, what does he need to do to impress you this week? Uh, he needs to make the plays that are there to be made. Um, hopefully the weather forecast holds up in Pittsburgh and it's dry. Uh, I did not like the way he played in the nasty weather. Um, he's got to be better than that. Again, in his defense, Joe Burrow was just pretty God awful. But then again, Joe Burrow had to go against the Browns defense. So there there's, you know, that balance, but I, I feel like Deshaun, there just has to come a point where we have the Deshaun game. You know what I'm saying? Yes. Like, I feel like we're still waiting for that game. We're waiting for the $230 million quarterback to show up. We've not seen it yet. And I'm anxiously awaiting that. Like, where he just absolutely just tar and feathers a defense. Not only with with his throws, but also with his legs. Now, we saw a little bit of the legs against the Bengals, right? Um, he, He had Cincinnati on skates on the on the 13-yard touchdown run earlier. He, uh, you know was able to scramble and convert a, a third long into a first down, but I'm waiting for the Deshaun Watson game. I really am. We haven't seen it yet. And um, it would be nice if uh, Monday night was, was that night where he throws for 300 plus yards and three touchdowns. And, you know, the Browns offense looks as explosive as we think it can be on paper. I will say this. There, those missed opportunities that we're lamenting from the Bengals game because of the heavy football, because of the rain, because of timing, whatever the reasons that were involved there, I, f- I feel like the, the positive side of that coin is that those opportunities were there and in good playing conditions, Deshaun's going to cash those in and be able to, uh, you, know, uh, you know, complete those passes, put points on the scoreboard, capitalize on those explosive opportunities, um, but yeah, I'm just, I'm waiting for the Deshaun game. I really am. Uh, we, he got a mulligan last year for the six games there, even though that was all self-inflicted why he couldn't play in the first place. And then now we had the weather is a mitigating circumstance. So hopefully again, weather won't be a factor in Pittsburgh and he just goes up and he here, I should say, he just goes out there and just lights the Steelers on fire. He's Darren Ryder. I'm Andy Baskin. A new look Cleveland Browns. What are we talking about? That's next on it's always game day in Cleveland. It's always game day in Cleveland. Daryl, very excited about Monday night. Why? Tell everybody. Oh, for the first time since the 1950s, the Cleveland Browns will be wearing something that is not an orange helmet. They'll debut the new modern version of their white helmet. They'll be in the 1946 throwback jersey and the, the white pants. Those uniforms are clean. In fact, I think those, when the Browns wear white, I think that's the uniform they should wear full-time going forward. That should be their white uniform. 
It are the white uniforms awesome. though intimidating? Like when you see the Steelers roll out in those black unis with the orange pants or with the, I can't believe I just said that with the yellow pants. Those are a little intimidating. I'm not gonna lie. Are is white intimidating? I don't know. Um, I it's not so much about intimidation as it is about looking good, and they're gonna make a fashion statement Monday night. I'm telling you, like right up there. So. I, I guess this is like throwback weekend for the NFL because the, the Patriots are going to be wearing Pat the Patriot. Um, I think the creamsicles come out this week for the Buccaneers. Hmm. Um, yeah, Steelers, is, what are the Steelers wearing? Uh, I think they're wearing their regular uniforms because those are their regular uniforms. I, I just hope they don't wear those hideous Bumblebee uniforms. Remember oh, those? those are they brutal, wore? man. I can't say Oh, oh you, you want to talk about the – They look like rugby jerseys. The ugliest uniforms in NFL history are the Pittsburgh Steelers Bumblebee throwback uniforms. There is no uniform more hideous. That uniform is uglier than the uniforms the Browns wore from 2015 to 2020. What, the ones that said Cleveland on them? Yes. Light those things in. They were not horrible. Those uniforms were were not horrible. They were were hideous. Fire those into the sun, never to be seen from. Why? Because they said Cleveland on the front. Who cares? No, just because they were ugly. I didn't think they were that bad at all. I didn't mind them at all. Well, I did like the the white ones. Did look the best though. You're also like driving a minivan, Dad. So of course I do not drive a minivan. Stop it! I'm a cool dad. (laughs) You are not. Come on, Daryl. If we if we had your kids on the podcast. Would they say that Andy Baskin is a cool dad? Yes, I think they would. I'll bring Tropical Storm on at some point. Is that because you would bribe them with allowance money or threaten them with being grounded for not saying No, I just, I know what's going on in the world. We talk about a lot of things. I mean, I probably think I know more about my kids than the average parent knows about their kids. Maybe too much sometimes. But (laughs) I mean, I just want to know what's going on. And it sometimes... I mean, sometimes being a parent means you're going to hear something you don't want to hear. Right. So the way you react is the difference between being uh, cruddy-duddy or, uh, you know, old man or whatever. I mean, I spend a lot of time with our kids, and, um, I, you know, I coach them, and I do a lot of stuff. I enjoy the time that I spend with them and their friends. And, uh, you know, it's just – but it, part of it's just being a coach, too. It's more than just – it's more than just being a parent. I mean, when you're a coach, you unfortunately know a lot of things that are going on that most <laughs> – Parents don't want to know. And sometimes you feel the wrath of that too, which you don't right. want from other parents. So, um, but yeah, I would say that. I mean, you're the cool dad then. All right. I don't know that I'm the cool dad because I know there are times when uh, they get upset with me and I get upset with them. But I think, I mean, I've listened man, to your radio show and I've heard some of the jokes of you've told and I would not say you're a cool dad. Who, which one? You. I've listened to your show. I've heard the jokes you tell. I would not yes. classify you as a cool dad. Well, would. Okay, good. No, I would not. Oh, Daryl. I would not classify as you a cool dad. Well, that's you, okay. You... I wouldn't have classified you as a cool kid, so we're even. <laughs> and you'd be 100% correct. I was not a cool kid, girl. It's all right. <laughs> hey, we should do a poll. We can do a poll, and I'm sure that... Baskin, cool dad, yay or nay. Is Baskin a cool dad? I got no problem with that, except for the fact that when Twitter became X, they started charging you for the polls, and I'm like, Forget that. So I'm done with that. I used to do those polls. Okay. I mean, I, I mean, I'm probably. I, mean, I think I'm kind of cool. I, I think we need to have your kids sit down under the penalty of perjury and swear under oath 
that you are or are not cool dad. All right, here's the deal. I'll bring them on for one podcast. Okay. At the same um, time? I don't know. I mean, I, I think we need I, to. I, I need to think we need to do them in stages here. I, I might. The problem is, is if I have one on, I've got to have the other on. That's the problem with two kids. Like what you do for one, you always have to do for the other. Absolutely. Don't ever forget that. Absolutely. Plus, I mean, I wasn't. I, I mean, I could see. I mean, I worry about these things because I was kind of an old dad. I didn't really get married until I was in my late thirties. So. So who's the, who's the favorite in the house? Is it, it, or, or I, let me actually let me rephrase. Who's the good cop? Who's the bad cop? It depends on the subject matter. Okay. Um, I have to be the enforcer on some stuff. My wife is the enforcer on some stuff. Um, yeah, it's, it's, I, I mean, every parent understands what I'm talking about. I mean, I, I'm just not, I don't know. My, and my wife is very, very good, man. She is amazing in a lot of things. And it probably her number one best trait is she puts up with my, you know what? Well, I was so, just, I was just about to say that your what your wife is headed for sainthood because she deals with you every day. She's already there now. <laughs> and I've, and she's known you for, well, who has known you longer? Me or your wife? You, I've known you longer. Okay. Um, well, no, let me take that back. I met her when I was working in Columbus. So we met in the late nineties. Okay. So you've, you know, you've known her longer. Okay. Yeah. I've known her longer. I'm just trying to think of, I mean, I've known Jeff longer than I've known my wife. Okay. Uh, but I don't know if there's many more people that I'm around on a daily basis. That's old Andy Baskin. I don't know where he is. He was a cool kid. Final thoughts, Daryl. Final thoughts as we head into the Steelers game on Monday night. Well, Monday night can't get here fast enough, but again, uh, we'll you know feel pretty good about where they're at from a health standpoint. We'll get some updates this week on Juan Thornhill. Uh, like I said, Jed Wills, even though Kevin Stefanski said he's okay, we'll, you know proof will be in the pudding as far as uh, his practice availability uh, in the injury reports go. But yeah, I mean, feel pretty good going into week two. I don't know about you, but um, uh, the Browns haven't won in Pittsburgh in the regular season since uh, 2003. Oh. Uh, I have it's a been feeling. that long, 20 years. I have a feeling that streak is going to end Monday night. My gut tells me. Let's put it together. Let's make it happen. I feel good about the Browns this year, too. He's Daryl Ryder. I'm Andy Baskin. It's always game day in Cleveland.